Hello, and welcome back to Shadow Work Library. On this episode, I'm interviewing my friend, the fabulous Jody Nelson, who's going to be nerding out with me on one of the essentials for being a high-functioning, awesome human, which is sleep. This show is a little different than what you might be used to hearing here. We talk about physical, very 3D realities of the state of our bodies when we're not getting adequate sleep, both the length of sleep and the efficiency of our sleep. And we spend the majority of the show actually going through Jody's three-phase process for improving your quality of sleep, which she worked on with her husband, Dr. Mike T. Nelson. This show is great for everyone, but especially parents, because Jody's the author of a children's book called Mr. Mole Goes to Sleep. This book teaches kids and their parents why sleep is so important, and more importantly, how to make that happen in simple, kind of like biohacking kinds of ways. So if you'd like to pick up a copy of Mr. Mole for yourself or some parents that you love, you can find the link in the show notes. I'll also add this in. So my microphone died on me again. This is the third Yeti mic that I've gone through in the last five years. So if you're listening, Yeti, what is going on, yo? So that happened right before this interview, which is why you'll hear some crackling from my earbud microphone. On the flip side, I just dropped 700 American dollars on a really legit mic setup. So for future shows, they're going to be extra crispy. Okay, thanks for listening to that rant. Now on to sleep science. Enjoy this interview with Jody Nelson. So let's just dive into it. Jody Nelson is here on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Jody and I have known each other for a really long time now. I think I met you first at a Barbell Business Mastermind. Yes. In I can't remember which year. Maybe 2016? Was... That sounds right. Yep. Yeah. So you were there with your husband, Dr. Mike T. Nelson. Yes. And he is a legend in the fitness space. Mm-hmm. And you were his yes. better half. Well, thank you. He's, I call him Dr. Smarty Pants or Micopedia, which I'm sure you wouldn't let anybody else call him Dr. Smarty Pants, but yeah. <laughs> well, we'll try it out. We'll see. I'll put okay, it in the show it. notes. <laughs> so Jody, you're here on the show today to talk a little bit about Mr. Mole, which is another nickname you have for Dr. Mike, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mole is a character in your children's book called Mr. Mole Goes to Sleep. Right. And the reason why we're talking about sleep today on Shadow Work Library is because sleep is something that creates the foundation for your health and your health creates a foundation for growth. So you're not freaking out all the time, right? Freaking out is not ideal. So before we get into that, maybe you can give us a little background in who you are and what you're up to. Oh, my word. That's always a fun thing. You know, they tell you to do the elevator speech. And I'm like, well, which chapter of my life would you like the elevator speech for? We're so on see. an elevator of a very long, tall building. So take a okay. like. <laughs> 16 floors. There we go. Okay. So, um, all right. Originally, right out of college, I was a high school English and speech and creative writing teacher. So that was super, super fun. However, being right out of college and being a high school teacher, I was mistaken quite often for one of the students. Um, So that was pretty funny. And, um, but it was a very good experience. One of my favorite, favorite things was to teach speech. We only taught it in like nine week units. And the fun part was watching the students go from shaking in front of the audience to their end 
thing that they had to do was do skits in front of the student body and they didn't have to have things memorized. I wanted to take away that, you know, pressure off of them, but they got to dress up. They got to, ha got to ham it up as much as they wanted and to watch them blossom through that process was awesome because I knew that no matter who they are, what they stood for, what they learned, they were going to need that skill going forward in life because um, to be able to articulate their ideas, whether it's in work, whether it's in relationships. So that was a really fun thing for me to watch. And it's all, I've always geeked out over communication. I write poetry. I have, um, <laughs> I have two unpublished uh, musicals basically in my head and in my <laughs> whole, <laughs> my whole a bin of creative stuff over here and it may only ever be performed by me but it's things that I like to do it's the way my brain works mm -hmm. and when I was a high school teacher people teased me they're like why aren't you a kindergarten teacher because I you know I loved that interaction and I loved I had my students actually had to memorize a story um, and have one of the younger grades come in and listen to the story and they were the whole show they did not get to say that they forgot the story I said if you forget your story you make it up because we are entertaining these kids so my brain has always been more on that that side of things then life happened and I got a paying you know a better paying job and I ended up in the financial world as an executive assistant for quite a while I um have I have had many lives in this life. And currently I'm now the operations manager, content creator, creative person and plate spinner for my, my <laughs> husband's business. So I do a bunch of things. That's why the elevator speech is hard. Um, and this opportunity to be on this podcast kind of combines the fact that I get to be in the science fitness world and I also combine that with my creativity. And that's what this book is, actually. It's a really fun, happy to my fingertips creation of something that started as a joke between Mike and I and ended up being, a, excuse me, a really cute idea that has a health and fitness bent um, with a rhyme scheme. So <laughs> that's so perfect. I'm <laughs> on my bucket list is to be in your musical that's in your head one day i will write it down you are in it oh i love musicals <laughs> so much so much growing up my brother and i would just watch musicals on vhs over and over and over again well my one of my favorite sayings is we're not dead yet so i have a bucket list that is absolutely ridiculous but I'm putting stuff on it and I'm going to ask people to help me get those things. So maybe you should sing. Maybe you should be like, I would love to sing with so-and-so, whatever. I'm putting it down. Yeah. That, I, yeah. I still have time. What am I saying? Yeah. Okay, great. So let's dive more into sleep. When did you, because you working with Dr. Mike have the opportunity to go through so many interventions, health interventions, you know, like what to eat, how to exercise, all of these things so that you become this beacon of health. But I know that your health journey has been more complicated than most. And I would assume that's also been challenging for your own personal development when you're so stuck in your 
the nervousness of your body. It has been very interesting because there's also, this is just a side note and it, that and a whole nother podcast, but there is also the pressure when you're the spouse or the significant other of a person that is highly regarded for their knowledge because people look at you as some sort of automaton of perfection, you know, like the first ever disciple of Dr. Mike, like I'm just going mm. to be do all of the things that he says or know all of the things that he knows, right? Like, no, I don't, I don't just hook up a little, uh, a little USB cord and download all of the stuff from Dr. Mike's brain to mine. That's not how it works. And also I think in a health journey, you have many people need to cut themselves some slack and think about, you know what, what did I have to remove in order to get to the point, uh, to be able to onboard more information. So what was it? And, and the thing for me is that I felt like, and I'm gonna share an analogy that is not perfected, but this is how my, my health journey has felt um, for the last uh, probably decade and and how it becomes even more clear that that's what was happening or that's a really good analogy um, as I look back on it. So I imagine myself in some really, really murky, murky water and I am just treading water. And I, I actually had a near drowning experience. So I, I have trouble in water. So in, in this analogy, my nose is just above the water and I'm treading water as fast as I can and as hard as I can. But underneath the surface, what isn't seen are these alive seaweed tendrils that are wrapped around each and every limb, wrapped around the trunk of my body, pulling me down as I'm trying to tread water as fast as I can. And my nose is just barely above the water. So if anybody is in a health journey where they're like, oh my word, I just am trying to survive. Lady, I don't, I don't have one more hour to apply to sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm just barely trying to stay alive. I get that. And that's okay. Right. And we have micro tips on that, on that for you on every single thing. There's ways we can break it down smaller. So in that analogy, there is not just one thing that's affecting your health. Does movement affect your health? Yes. Does sleep affect your health? Yes. Does having the right people in your life affect your health? Yes. Does the trauma in your life affect your health? Yes. All of those are those tendrils of seaweed that are pulling you down and trying to keep you underneath the water. And you have to, it's like a, some mermaid hand me, handed me a knife all of a sudden, and I got to cut one of those. And all of a sudden, my the upper part of my lip is above the water. And then I cut another one and my mouth is above, above the water. I could finally breathe. So the projection of where the health journey goes is not just to survive, it's to thrive. It's to get to a point where those tendrils have all been cut and you are trying to emerge as the best version of yourself. So that's the best, um, very unperfected analogy of what my health journey has looked like. I feel that analogy very viscerally. Like I've never had a near drowning experience, but everyone knows that feeling of tr like panicking, you know, underwater. And so were there times in your life where you were trying to put your head above water metaphorically and you just weren't cutting the right seaweed? Like you were starting too far down 
Um, yes. Yes. And I can say that I still remember one of my girlfriends who owns a gym here in, um, in the Minneapolis area. And I worked with her for a little bit working out and I kept wanting to guilt myself into coming in five days a week. And she's like, Jody, you only need to be here two to three times a week. You have so much stress at your work right now that it is overstressing your body to try to do that. And you're putting more pressure on yourself. You don't have the time, you don't have the energy and you need to just let it be two to three times a week that you come in and you work out. And I thought that was very wise of her because most of the time, I mean, most people want change yesterday. I know I do. And if you, if you're like, oh, I'm going to take these 300 things and I'm going to change them all right tomorrow. No, I mean, great. If you do more power to you, you're a superhero, better human than me button. Here you go. Um, but it's usually not that easy if there are other confounding factors. So um, for my, for my friend to notice that, no, you've got stress in your life. You do not need to bite more off. You need to manage what you've already got and figure out where that takes you. So absolutely. I think, I think there are sometimes, and the truth is we don't know which intervention is going to be the one that unsticks, right? That unsticks that first thing. So you have to be a little bit, I had to learn that, that I have to be gentle with myself on that. Like what what goal is appropriate for me? I stayed at a similar weight for 10 years. That was not a weight that I, I thought I didn't want to be there. And the truth is I reconciled myself with being there because during that time I was able to get my body stronger. I slept more, slept more and better. I got my moodiness, my inflammation, my brain fog. I got that more under control. So it's like, okay, what is an appropriate goal for you? What, you know, are you unsticking a bunch of trauma right now? Well, maybe not now is not the time for you to jump into, um, you know, every single day being pummeled to the ground when you're when you're working out. So that is, that is a choice people have to regulate for themselves and find where they sabotage themselves because that's different for everyone as well. Yeah. On that topic of stress, one of the, the other great analogies that you shared with me is how stressed out you can be when you're sleep deprived. Um, I think it was about drunk driving. Would you mind sharing that? Oh yeah, I actually, I uh, printed out some slides from my, um, from Dr. Mike's flex, uh, flex diet intervention number eight, which is sleep, because it's basically the same as being impaired. Like if you were, if you were intoxicated, when you're, when you're way sleep deprived, it has that same effect. And what happens is what's called micro sleeps. So you're not even noticing that you're asleep when this is happening, but it's like split seconds of micro sleeps that are happening for you. Um, and one of the quotes that, that, was, that is in here, which is backed up by research and I'll get you the reference if you want it. Um, the quote is, among the common consequences of a large sleep debt are attention lapses, reduced short-term memory capacity, impaired judgment and the, occur the occurrence of micro sleeps. So think about 
if you've been driving down the highway, think about how fast you're going and how much distance you are traveling, the distance of a football field in what, like a minute? Imagine you're having a micro sleep while that's happening. If you're really sleep impaired and that's scary because what if something happens? So that was, that one was one that stuck with me a lot. I'm like, what? It's like drunk driving. Yep. Yeah. And when we think about how we as adult humans and our kids may be sleep deprived, which is more common than I think is generally accepted, right? Like how are you operating as a human when you're having these micro sleeps? If maybe let's say you're not driving, but you're just trying to show up for your kids or your family or for yourself, how Mm -hmm. just distorting that can feel to you. Yes. So how could, I I would imagine some people listening may be thinking of sleep deprivation as pulling an all-nighter multiple times, um, like that classic vision of sleep deprecation deprecation. I think that's the right word. Um, you know, big bags in your eyes, you look terrible. <laughs> are there, are there more subtle signs? Like what is sleep debt in a more like normal sense that still causes these issues? Well, I think that, and I was thinking about the way to answer that question as I was, um, prepping for this today and my armpits are sweating. Um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> um, so I was thinking about now, how do I answer that question? Well, because the, that one, the, what we just said about micro sleeps, you know, the, um, inability to focus attention lapses, reduced short-term memory capacity. But you know what else is funny when you're sleep impaired, you don't know it. Like I'm fine. I'm fine. So you don't even know that those things are happening. So what was interesting is another, another study that they did, um, couple of different studies, but the one that I'm thinking of is that here's a quote. It says the biological need for sleep might be closer to 10 hours per day. That is typical of monkeys and apes living in the wild than the seven to 7.5 hours typical of humans in today's high-tech clock-driven lifestyle. So if, if you're getting less than seven hours of sleep, more than likely you're sleep deprived. Um, and I'm not a scientist, but I can, I can point you to references that actually talk about this and, and actual books that talk about this. The answer to the question, the result of the question is memory lapses, judgment problems, impaired judgment. Um, if you're experiencing any of those things and you know that you don't sleep more than seven hours, yep. Another way to know about it too is, is sleep efficiency, which I thought, oh, well, this is the same thing. No, sleep efficiency. So how, how good is the quality of sleep that you're getting? If you are going to bed and it's not like a, oh, I'm in bed and then it just goes and I drift off to sleep. If it's more like my head hits the pillow, bam, I'm asleep. You're sleep deprived. Oh, okay. So, and I know that, that, uh, seven seven hours of sleep that I'm talking about that most people get and that we're supposed to get 10 hours of sleep. I know at this point in people listening to the podcast are like, I'm not listening anymore. I do not have that kind of time. But what I want to tell you is there are always ways to flip things around and do it in smaller bites. So that's also something they talk about nearing the end of the podcast or whenever you want to throw that in. 
Yeah, definitely. I really want to get into a lot of the how-tos because you have a lot on that. Now, what about with kids? So I know I can be aware of when I'm starting to get brain fog. I'm very, my sleep consciousness is good. I have to tell you that. I know when I've had a good sleep or bad sleep, I get 10 hours in. Um, I I did have to work up to that though, because I used to have a job Mm -hmm. where I'd have to be in the office at 8 a.m. and I lived like I only live 15 miles away, but it took me two and a half hours to get there because, you know, oh my gosh, it was the worst. So I would get up even earlier so I could beat maybe the first half of rush hour traffic Mm -hmm. from Long Beach to Los Angeles. It was nuts. And I just turned into a terrible person, you know, like I'm starting (laughs) to get road rage and all kinds of things. And I'm like falling asleep at my desk. So I know, I knew back then, okay, sleep is an issue. Um, Many people listening may be aware that sleep is an issue or not an issue for them, but what about with kids? So how can you know if your child is sleep deprived? Well, I, since I'm only an auntie and I'm not a mama, I am not an expert on telling people what to do with their children, nor would I do that if I was a mama anyway, because that's just not smart. Um, <laughs> but uh, do they, do they sleep? Do they sleep at other times? Like, are they sleeping in on the weekends? Do they just go ahead and like sleep until 11? Well, they probably need that. And maybe they're having a growth spurt. Maybe something else is happening. Who knows what they're recovering from? So that, I mean, it's the same for adults. It's like if you're sleeping on the weekends and you're trying to recover that sleep debt. um, And I would say just because I have to watch how much activity and how much I'm being pulled in all directions and how much stimulus that is created in life. Just watch how they're feeling, ask them how they're feeling. Because I know for me, oftentimes, if it's been a busy, busy week, and or we've been traveling and or there's been 500 activities with 575 billion people, you know, to different personalities, and that's a whole nother thing. But to my personality, who um, is very overstimulated by a lot of things, that can be very, very tiring. So that's the other hard part is the individuality of what every single person needs and every kid needs. I have um, a nephew that likes to get up a half an hour early in the morning. And he's been doing this since he was really, really young. But he likes the time to not be around anybody and to be quiet in the morning right? So that's what he needs. His brother cracks me up and will take a flashlight to bed and hope his mom doesn't catch him reading some ridiculously large book about, I think, yeah, it's just, so he loves to read. So that's what he does. He'll climb into bed and he'll read when he's not supposed to. And then, you know, oh, I was awake till two in the morning because I was reading. So it, you know, it depends on the kid. What is, what is the kid doing? And just like for us adults, yeah, just notice what they're doing. Notice if they're sleeping in, notice if they're complaining about it, notice if they're whiny. I mean, I turn into a four-year-old if I don't get enough sleep, if I'm way overtired, I'm like, holy cow, who is this chick? Like I thought, you know, did she ever graduate from kindergarten? I don't know. (laughs) What about putting your kids to bed? Is there, are there any signs? there that they may be in sleep debt. I think you had mentioned something about not wanting to go to bed. Oh, that happens to me. 
that happens to me, but it happens with kids too. Like uh, watching, watching a toddler, um, watching my niece or nephews be like, ah, I'm so frustrated. Or even who was I, whose kid was I watching just the other day? And they were, they were like running around. Like it was like, sleep is not going to catch up to me. I know it's nine o'clock. I'm running around the house. I'm running around the house. And like having this like spaz session, like trying to hype themselves up so they don't have to go to bed. So, yeah, I mean, I think it happens. I think it happens to kids and I think it happens to adults. We just think we're so much more smooth about it, which we're not. No, no. <laughs> Especially these days where a lot of like high productivity people, entrepreneurs are talking about how they only get four hours of sleep a night. Yep. And I believe them. I believe that they can do that, but that just doesn't seem healthy to me. And I, it does bother me when they start touting, oh, I'm up at 4 a.m. doing this and that, and I didn't get any sleep last night. And I think maybe that that culture is dying off now, that we're not mesmerized by that superhero power. But mm -hmm. being sleep deprived is just, it's no fun. It's no fun for anybody. So how about we get into some of the ways that people, adults and kids can have a better sleep? Where would you like to start with that? Okay. So, I mean, yeah, let's, I will actually, we'll go into the Mr. Mole book and I'll give you just some little tips and tricks from Mr. Mole's research report, which is smack dab in the middle of the book. And for parents, I'll just read to you the little snippet right before the research report, because it's a very Dr. Seussical sounding book. And talks about Mr. Mole and how he's not getting enough sleep and he can't read to his kids because he's so tired. Right in the middle before Mr. Mole's research report, it says Mr. S Mr. Mole was a scientist who reads research for fun. So he looked up some sleep studies and found more than one. On the next couple pages, you can read what he found from the most spectacular studies in research around. So in this Mr. Mole's research report, this is backed up by science. My husband, of course, this, the science brain of us two uh, created this and he did three phases, which I think is smart because you can't change everything all at once. Like your kid's probably gonna say, oh my, I don't wanna go to bed an hour early. I'm gonna be so bored, you know? So what are some things, not only getting a little more sleep and more sleep eventually, what are things that can help um, get better, better sleep, better quality sleep and create that container or the environment for now. This is the ritual of the time that we're going to sleep. Not even, it doesn't even have to have to be declared as an announcement to the family kingdom that this is what is happening, but creating that as it's starting. So here's some really, really practical things. Um, drink less before bed. So if one of your goals is getting in more water, which mine always is, I still default to doing this. <laughs> Later in the day, I'm like, oh my word, I didn't drink all my water. Oh, let's drink three pints of water right now. <laughs> yeah, not smart at eight o'clock in the evening because then I'm up five times to go to the bathroom. Really simple, really easy. Get your water earlier in the day. If you can use earplugs or add white noise. Now, white noise is something like a fan that's going in the background. And some people really like that, that really helps them. Um, using earplugs is a hilarious one for me because I don't know that this happened, but it probably could have. 
I started using earplugs and in the morning I couldn't find one of them. And I swear, I think I ate it. Oh I'm God. not positive, <laughs> but it scared me so bad that I could never use earplugs again. Just stupid, but I, you know. Um, uh, another one is create your mole hole. So create your environment for sleep. It should be dark, it should be cool, and it should be quiet. Turn off your electronics. Do you have you ever seen a mole with a cell phone? Well, there you go. If you have any small lights that are still on in, in the rooms, sometimes just covering them up either with a piece of tape or throw a towel over the top of them. Turn the digital alarm clock face down so you're not staring at it. Uh, make sure your phone is off or in airplane mode. Pull the curtains to make it dark. And then I love this. The last two are go to bed and then do and repeat. So all of these things, this is in phase one. So these are very practical. Okay, we need better quality sleep. How can mm -hmm. we create that? Very practical ways. The dark so room one for me is like, was huge, was huge because I grew up yeah. in the city and yep. we have police sirens going all hours of the night. We had really bright street lights that I remember would shine in my room. I could very well see in my room at night because of all the lights happening. I don't think I had too many electronics at the time, but it was just ambient city light coming in and mm -hmm. noise. And I never even thought that was an issue until I moved to the country. And mm -hmm. that complete silence was also deafening. And that's when I realized I need some white noise. But then also that darkness was really nice. So then when I would go to a hotel or something and be very, um, it have a lot of lights and the digital alarm clock and stuff, I was surprised at how poor I would sleep just with those elements there. I had read a study that was recited more or less from Dr. Jack Cruz. I don't know who did the study, but they were analyzing the photoreceptors in our skin and so mm -hmm. they would track the sleep efficiency of patients or people who are in these studies yep. by taping lights to their, their legs and their arms, you know, and covering them. So it wasn't coming in through their eyes, you know, it was underneath blankets, underneath tape. Um, and they found that they had less sleep efficiency with these lights. So our skin is actually picking up light at night. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, you know, that is what's what's mind blowing. Like one of the one of the facts that as I was prepping for this, you have clock genes in more more of the tissues in your body than you would know. Like so chronobiology, mm -hmm. being able to tell the time and that does have to do with the light that's in the sky and when it appears, what what uh, level it is going into your eyes or I'm sorry, not level angle, what angles it is going into your eyes. Yeah. And, and our whole body responds to it. Uh, think about that in a healing sense. Think about all the things that we just talked about with what we want when we go to bed and then think about the um, reverse being true in the hospital when people are in the ICU, there's flashing lights everywhere. Oh, wow. It's not, even if they're trying to make it dark, it's not nearly as dark. They have people checking on them all the time. They have disrupted sleep. There's way more light in the hospital than you need to have, you know, and part of it is just because they, they want to hurry up the healing process so that people can move on with their lives, which is understandable. But think about all of that lack of sleep efficiency 
lack of um, rest, lack of rest that you're having as you're trying to heal from probably something that's very traumatic. I don't know. And I, I would have to actually study this piece of it, but it's always just, it's like, what, what damage are we doing by not allowing ourselves good night's sleep as we're healing from those things? Mm, it's a, a lot of thought. systems need to be looked at again. Yes. Yeah. So thanks for sharing this. Hopefully someone who's high up in the, <laughs> the, hos- the hospital system is listening. <laughs> yes. Yep. So does that bring us to phase two? Sure. I can tell you phase two. Phase two actually gives a little bit more science. So this is where it talks about mole glasses. Now, these are glasses that basically just block the blue light. If you decide that you're going to have lights on or you're going to watch TV in the evening, this is what you need. Um, And I'll just read you this little paragraph. The master clock in your brain is a structure called the SCN, the suprachiasmic, I didn't even say it right, suprachiasmatic nucleus. It responds to light and dark. In short, as light hits the back of your eye, it sends a signal to the SCN that it's time to be awake. The opposite is also true. Less light or dark equals less awake signal, so you get sleepy. The specific spectrum of light that is most stimulating to the awake signal is the blue light, a large component of sunlight. Unfortunately, in modern society, others, another source of blue light are screens, computer, TV, cell phones, etc. When you're working in front of them at night, your brain is being signaled, it's time to be awake, it's time to be awake, it's time to be awake. When in reality, it's time to prepare for sleep. Remember to your brain, blue light equals awake. So, and and keep in mind folks, as I'm reading these things to you, this is more of a boiled down explanation. This isn't like, of course, going into all, all of the science. It's so that you can read this to your kid and they can understand the angle of the light that's going into my brain means something. Sunlight is good to wake up, and as it's got sun's going down, we need to be sleeping. Also, just realizing that all of those electronics definitely are keeping you awake longer than you need to be and kind of confusing your body a little bit. So mole glasses, they're blue light blocking glasses. Um, You can get those. They're a lot more popular now than when we wrote the book and even before that. So let's get into the morning walk. That was something that I started the show off with, feeling really good about it. (laughs) Tell us the benefits of that. Okay. Well, I'm going to read, I'm going to read to you. um, My husband, Dr. Mike T. Nelson did a really short article called fitness lessons you can learn from blind mice. And it's very short, but I'm going to read it to you because it explains what would be a couple of my micro lessons, and then I'll riff off of that. It is true that you can learn a fitness lesson from blind mice. Before I get to that point, a short primer on the role of light in your sleep, which affects your gains. That means muscles in in the big wide fitness community. (laughs) (laughs) Your circadian rhythm is regulated primarily via light or photons entering into the bottom part of the eyeball. So that's why when I was talking about angle, That's what I'm talking about. This sends a signal to your brain and your pineal gland that controls the release of melatonin. It appears that your brain is affected by three main methods. Number one, the intensity of light. 
So outside is far superior than inside, even on overcast days. Number two, timing. Getting uh, sunlight earlier is better than later because it's signaling to your brain to wake up. And number three, the angle of the sun. So it's hitting the, it's hitting the correct spot in the back of your eyeball, which totally amazes me that your eyeball even knows that mm -hmm. and that your brain even knows to compute that. In short, more light into the old eyeball in the AM when the sun is up and at lower angle helps set or anchor your circadian rhythm. So your wake sleep cycle. This all allows you to be more awake during the day to keep your boss happy and set gym PRs or do any fun thing that you have to do. And then it helps you be sleepy at night. Therefore, we must needs sleep. Back to our blind mice. Additional studies, and this is the sciencey quote that goes along with it. Additional studies reported that mice lacking rods and cones were still capable of synchronizing their circadian rhythms to light dark cycles, thus demonstrating that an undiscovered photo pigment, pigment photoreceptor in the <laughs> mammalian retina was responsible for the photo entrainment of circadian rhythms, meaning that there's more light sensors than we even thought possible. And like you're talking about your skin having light sensors. Translation, even though the mice did not have rods of cones for normal vision, they were still able to determine light dark cycles, which enabled the research nerds to uncover a new striation in the eye, which is pretty cool. Mm. And oh, here's my micro lesson. You can combine light into your eyeballs with movement via an AM walk without sunglasses on. So that means you're allowing that good morning light into your eyeball as you're moving, you're not having anything block it out. Better energy during the day and better sleep and more movement. It's a triple win. Mm. So for me, I love the idea of a walk in the morning. It actually, there's, for me, there's multiple benefits. All of those benefits we just talked about with circadian rhythm and all of the words that I couldn't pronounce. I thought I, thought I had prepped my tongue for all of those uh, tongue twisters, but evidently not. Yeah, you did great. Um, <laughs> but the circadian rhythm of your body, getting that in in the morning is very important. It also, for me, a lot of people really enjoy meditation and I have my, um, what you would call riffs on meditation where I will sit and write in a journal and then stare at the fire and then write in a journal some more, or I will go on a walk and I call it my walking meditation because it helps me just sort things as I'm walking. And so for me to do that in the morning is awesome because it, that repetitive motion just kind of settles my body and brain down so that I can be there, be in the moment, get rid of some of that twitchiness and kind of just settle into my day. And then of course, when you're moving, it's very, that's just one more sensory input that you have. And also they have studies they've done on being outside and even looking at the fractal patterns that are in the trees mm -hmm. is very soothing to your system. Now there's research and reasons for that. I've got to go back and look at what they were, but it's pleasing to your system to be outside moving or sitting in nature. So that makes sense. Yeah. I'll throw my common yep. sense research in here and say, 
we were designed to be outside, not inside. So it, yep. around a lot of squiggles and curvy things. And now we find ourselves in boxes with ceilings. And yes. I think that gives us this feeling of being trapped and twitchy. So the more yes. you can get outside, the more you can feel at one with who you are and everything else instead of feeling so alone. When you were talking about the angles, so I had read a while back that even, so if you do have artificial lighting in your house, which we all do, even if you did change some of the bulbs, which I think we might get into here, um, to red lights, I don't know if that was on your docket. I am not, I'm not an expert at that. Um, okay. Dan Party would be someone to research for that. And I could get information on that, but like what kind of light bulbs, what's the best kind of light bulb. But he, he, one thing that he said when we were like, we were talking about going to the fridge to grab something and changing the light bulb in the fridge. Mm -hmm. He has his mold glasses right there. He has a pair of them sitting right there. So he puts them on and then goes into his fridge. But as far as light bulbs, um, Thaddeus Owen from Primal Hacker also um, talks a lot about light. In fact, he's where we got our mold glasses from the, the fancy ones. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I'm a poser scientist. That means I can tell, I can say a lot of things. I do understand a lot of the things, but as far as digging deep into the research on particular, like the light bulbs, nope. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Um, I feel like people like us calls journalists, you know, we're just another yeah. step. <laughs> we yeah. know how to tell the story of the science. That's so right. We did a, a bonus episode early on in this podcast called sunlight something. I don't have it off the top of my head where I do get into light bulbs from Dr. Jack Cruz's research. Oh, okay. One of the things I didn't talk about in there is the position of the light bulbs. So now that you're talking about mm. the angles, I mean, you know, artificial light is artificial light. It's not going to be perfect, but if you have an led light versus a red light, there's a lot mm -hmm. less blue that's coming in through that red light. Right. So, um, again, not perfect, but we do what we can to live in the modern world somewhat normally. Yes. So we're saying that like lamps are so much more soothing than recessed lighting. Even if you're recessed lighting, you know, the ones that are coming on top of your head are, um, the light is dispersed and it doesn't feel harsh. Like a fluorescent light does. Mm -hmm. It feels so yes. much better if you even just have those same lights in the lamps, cause they're coming in at this angle of perhaps the sunset. It's perhaps. not on top of your head or yeah in those angles. So, um, yeah, we had just put in a few lamps here and at my house here and added some red bulbs and that felt even mm -hmm. better than just screwing the red bulbs into the recessed lighting that I had before. So just a little personal story about light. Yes. And I had a coworker that, um, she had actually had to change the lighting in her, her, her office was larger than a cubicle. It was a lot nicer than a cubicle. However, it that you know of course you have the fluorescent lighting so she brought in certain lamps because she was getting migraine headaches mm -hmm. from having this particular you know and it was intense she had a, a smaller office and it was just intense and i i have never really liked fluorescent lighting it just is it's not soft at all um so yeah i i think that probably that that's a great question those angles probably make a ton of difference. And we have in our, in our bedroom, we've got um, the ones that we have on our like nightstand 
have different light bulbs in them than regular so that they are not giving you such a jarring, your eyeballs a jarring effect as you come into the room later at night, getting ready to hop into bed. Yeah, that's great. I need to change the bathroom light bulb. Maybe I won't have such an issue with it if I stop drinking water so late in the evening, <laughs> but that is traumatizing to on the light well, the bathroom in the middle of the night. Oh, for the bathroom, I actually just took a very small lamp, plugged it in with one of those same bulbs because I was realizing the same thing. I'd walk into the bathroom in the middle of the night and I'm like, whoa, my eyes. It's like lighting a candle and then it's way better. So what else in phase two, or did we cover everything in there? There was only a couple things in phase two that we didn't uh, repeat. And one of them was there are programs you can put on your phone to give it a night vision or version so you can reduce the blue light emitted in the evening, less awake, stimulating to your brain. And so we should put this also, on every every device we have, like your iPad. Every device that you can, your computer, if you're still working on it uh, later in the evening. Yes. I mean, I know that there are a lot of kids that are on their iPads and they're watching TV and on their phones late at night. So if your child is of the age where he or she's just gonna do whatever they want, like your nephew who has a flashlight in bed, maybe give them a red <laughs> flashlight or just install them. <laughs> Yeah. Notice that whatever you're watching all of a sudden becomes less interesting. That's what I noticed. I have the red glasses mm -hmm. that block out all blue light. And as soon as I put them on at night or when the sun's going down, I'm less and less interested in what I'm watching. And I think part of that is That's funny. that blue light is so stimulating that when you remove that, the content of what you're actually watching is less addicting. You know, you're, you're less able to power through four or five Netflix episodes, which is good. Yeah. Very Sometimes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So what else do we have in phase two? So a lot of the interesting thing in, is in phase one, two, and three, we mentioned different things. And then we mentioned them again, a little bit differently. So like in phase two, number, th number three in phase two is darkness about two or three hours before bed, start to dim the lights. If you still need some light for reading, shift to using low blue light bulbs, like we just talked about, um, that emit more of an orange or red colored light that has much less blue spectrum. And then do and repeat. So the whole goal for Mr. Mall goes to sleep is we do need to get sleep and we need to realize the importance of sleep. And if we can get more sleep, that is awesome but we, and we also want to have better quality of sleep. I forgot to ask you, as you had proposed the three phases, why are they broken up into these phases? That's a great question. Basically the reason is most of the time people aren't ready to do five things at once or 15 things at once, right? So breaking it up into three phases was just, it's more of a practical and pragmatic way to do it. It's like, okay, for the first two or three weeks, here's what you need to work on work on drinking less before going to bed, work on creating your mole hole. Okay. Then keep doing that, add one or two of the more steps in phase one and keep doing that and repeat, make it easy and then add more things. Because when you try to add too many things, 
like it's not it's not a requirement that everybody go out and buy mole glasses but the first thing that you need to do is realize the importance of sleep how do we get better sleep well drink less before going to bed create the mole hole create the environment go to bed go to bed go to bed everybody just go to bed you know so that, that's why we separated into three phases because you don't want people overwhelmed by what they need to do and also they might fall asleep during phase two and that's actually cool you know yeah so <laughs> you don't want to overwhelm everyone okay so is it that the things in phase one are the easiest in terms of behavior change and then they get progressively more advanced yes they are easy drink less before bed mm -hmm. add white noise create your mole hole go to bed and then do and repeat in each one of these phases we say once you are doing all four step, steps above at 90 percent consistency for two to four weeks move on to phase two because if you're incorporating all of those things you're going to get better quality sleep in phase two that's when we introduce hey here's these cool mole glasses and this is why they work and then you have the mole glasses the screens uh solution and then actually dimming the lights in your house and then do and repeat if you're doing all of the steps above at 90 percent consistency for two to four weeks move on to the next phase so basically just an incorporation and also some of it's reiterating things that you knew before but giving just a little bit more information scientifically too yeah so if there are any coaches listening what we're talking about or people that work with other people what we're talking about is what's what dr mike calls coaching leverage which is we take the ease of the behavior change and multiply and then rank it and then we multiply it by the positive impact that it'll have on your life and you have yes. people start with the thing that's ranked the highest so my understanding is in his flex diet certification sleep is the very last thing he has his clients working on because it can potentially be the hardest thing to change about your life mm -hmm. it is definitely because most people we're trying to everybody has a value system and your your job is important because it allows you to make money for you and your family to be together to do the things that you want to do to put a roof over your head and um mike often says this as i'm listening to him uh talking to um his uh, clients about who are usually trainers about how they're handling their clients. It's like, you don't want to make a value judgment for the other person. They need to decide what to do with their time. Yes, they know that they need to get better sleep or more sleep, but if they only have an hour to watch Netflix with their significant other in the evening, and basically they feel like that's being attacked, they don't want to, I, it's understandable that a person doesn't want to do that. So the, the whole goal with introducing the intervention is to say, okay, what can we do? What are you able to do? What are you willing to do? And let's just start with that so that you can move forward in creating something that's better. And then when you're ready to do something or have space to do a little bit more or a little bit differently, then we can revise. So yeah, exactly, behavior change, but it also gives people a little bit of padding so they don't feel like they have to change everything all at once. Yeah, definitely. So for everybody listening and you want to get better sleep, start with phase one and be gentle on yourself.
and know that you can stay yes. in phase one for a super long time if you want. Amen. <laughs> but on that, let's go to phase three. Okay, phase three. So phase three just, just gives a little bit more information about what you're already doing. So it talks about timing mattering. So work to go to bed and get up about the same time every day within about 30 minutes. If you still find you're groggy waking up after a week of doing this, go to bed even earlier and get more sleep. Now you can increase that by 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Everything, like I can increase things by five pounds much easier than I can increase them for, by 25 pounds if I'm trying to lift something heavy. Do 10 minutes. Sourcing sunlight. We talked about going on a morning walk. So how much can you get in on a morning walk? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Those things can be like little uh, bits and bites as well. And then he also has a sleep supplement for parents only. And he goes into the reason what it is and the reason he chose it and what to watch for. But that's only for parents, of course. And then the last thing in phase three is do and repeat. So keep doing all of these things to 90% consistency for two to four weeks. After you've done all these phases, you are certified sleep rock star that would make Mr. Mold very proud. Oh, that's so cute. And just to <laughs> clarify, the supplements can be parents or non-parents, but adults? I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm not even a parent. I should have said that, but adults okay. only. Yes. Okay. This is great. So if people do want to get their hands on Mr. Mole, can you tell us a little bit about the illustrations and where they can find the book? Yes, yes, I can. So this, one of the reasons this was such a fun, um, a fun project for me that made me so happy was all of this, I did this book just a few years ago and I have all of my nieces and nephews at the time that are listed, are, um, that helped with the book. So it was 2018 when I actually published it and I list all my nieces and nephews, all that contributed to the book are listed. And then the illustrators and training who are too young are also listed. So the illustrations are different. They all have a different flair to them. That's because I wanted to include every single one of my nieces and nephews in the book. And that was super fun. Um, and then where to find it you can actually find the Mr. Mole book at miketnelson.com and then front slash who's W-H-O-S. Just type that in and then it'll pop up who's Mr. Mole. I've bought Mr. Mole for all the kids I know. That's two of them. <laughs> but they really, really liked it. So Oh, good. That's so yeah. sweet. <laughs> uh, Jen's kids. Yeah, they loved it. Oh, and oh, I also that's got awesome. Um, Aaron Guyette kids. They also really liked it. Oh, I know. They were actually sending me pictures of Mr. Mole doing research in his lab with all these beakers and stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was so, so cute. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> They're so cute. Well, Jody, thank you so much for coming on and nerding out with me about sleep. It's a different type of show than we usually have. And it's so important if you're not getting sleep, if we haven't 
beat this dead horse into the ground yet. If you're not getting sleep, you're not going to be able to grow spiritually or emotionally or have that regulation that we all desire and that clarity that feels so good or that feeling of peace. So just getting back to the basics is really important. And that's why I'm really passionate about sunlight quality and sleep, just like you are. So thank you for coming on and nerding out with me. Of course, it was a pleasure and and I'm done sweating now. Thank you for this opportunity. Anytime. <laughs> I love you, Jody. We'll talk again soon. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.